Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. You know, life can be such a grind at times, and so we're here sharing God's Word with you to encourage you to keep grinding and to not give up. It's time to grind. So here's the host of the Grind It Podcast, the old school skateboarder himself, Randall Tucker. Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. Today we're going to be breaking down Luke chapter 4. Uh, at least we'll get it started about halfway through the chapter. And uh, when uh, Luke ended chapter 3, he uh, gave a genealogy of Jesus that traced Jesus all the way back to Adam, who was the first person, the first uh, man that God created. But before that genealogy, uh, something significant took place, and, and, and that is the baptism of Jesus. And I hear people say uh, uh, quite often, actually, that uh, we should be baptized because Jesus was baptized, and, and and it makes me just it just makes me cringe when I hear that because that that's not a true statement. We we should not get baptized because Jesus was baptized. For you see, when John the Baptist or the John the Baptizer was out there. In the Jordan River, and he's baptizing people. He is baptizing people for the repentance of their sins. He's telling people that that the kingdom of God is at hand, uh, uh, that it's near, and that they should repent of their sins and and be baptized in the Jordan River. And so he would baptize these people. When people were coming out by the groves, just crowds of people to hear John's message and to be baptized uh, for the repentance of their sins. And, and Jesus was sinless. He never sinned, not one time, which is you know hard for us to fathom because that's what we do all the time. It's just our, it's human nature. Uh, we are sinners. We go against God's will. Jesus was here to fulfill God's will. He, he was to be the, uh, the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. And if he would have sinned one time, he could not be that Passover lamb, 1 Corinthians 5, 7, that Paul says that he is, our Passover lamb. Because uh, the, when, when God instituted the Passover in Exodus chapter 12, the lamb that was to be sacrificed had to be without blemish. And like I just said, as Paul mentioned in 1 Corinthians 5, 7, that Jesus is our Passover lamb. He is the, the lamb without blemish. Never did he sin. He became sin, but never did he sin one single time because he could not have been the sacrifice for our sins. So please don't say that we should be uh, baptized because Jesus was baptized. Jesus was was not baptized for the remission of his sins. He 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 was. Uh, he he became sin when he died on the cross. When he hung on the cross, because uh, the Bible says, "Cursed is any man that hangs on the tree." But he was the ultimate price. He was the sacrifice for our sins, and uh, and so he was baptized. Then, well, we'll just read it in Matthew three thirteen through fifteen. Uh, this is what Matthew says. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. Well, there's a reason why. Because, I mean, you are the Messiah. I'm just the guy who's not even worthy to stoop down and loosen your sandals. You know, so 
John knew his place and he knew who Jesus was. He's the son of God. He is the Messiah, the one that they've been looking for for all this time. And so he tries to talk Jesus out of being baptized. But Jesus said in verse 15 in Matthew 3, Jesus said, it should be done for we must carry out all that God requires. Uh, for in this way it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. So John agreed to baptize him. So basically Jesus wanted John to baptize him to, to kick off his earthly ministry. That is why it, it, it was the right thing to do. You know, we think of people being baptized just only in the New Testament. But people were baptized way back in the Old Testament. The, the Jews, it, it was... Uh, 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 it, it was a ritual that they did in the uh, what they call the the bass or the mcvotes. They they would uh, baptize people in a ceremonial cleansing. And G Jesus is telling John, "This is the right thing to do. This is this is God's will because this is kickstarting my ministry. This is putting me putting me on my mission, which is the cross to die on the cross for man's sin and." to be resurrected, to come out victorious over death, hell, and the grave. And, and, and that's exactly what Jesus did. And, and so uh, what the cool thing about this is, it, it, that I think, is that John the Baptizer's parents were Zechariah and Elizabeth, right? And both of these, Zechariah and Elizabeth, were they were both from a line of priests, and they worked in the temple. Uh, this would qualify John the Baptizer to be or act as a priest even though you know he didn't he didn't work in the temple he didn't i don't even know if the, the guy even visited the temple he he lived in the desert and he and he you know he was out there in camel's uh skins and and uh he ate locusts and wild honey he lived out in the desert he hung around uh the the jordan river and he you know was out there preaching uh, the kingdom at hand and baptizing people. So he he hung out in the wilderness, and so he's out there basically acting as a priest. Uh, and the reason why I say that is because what do priests do? Well, priests offer sacrifices to God. And and what did John the baptizer say when he sees Jesus coming? To be baptized, and he says to the people, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You see, baptism, baptism says that we are making a commitment to die to ourselves. You know, Paul says in Romans chapter 6, when we're, we're put in a watery grave and we come up a new creation in Christ, we've put away the old man and we come up out of that water, out of that watery grave, a, a new uh, person in Christ Jesus. Our sins have been washed away. We're filled with the Holy Spirit and, and we've put Christ on, uh, like Paul says in Romans, uh, by, and through baptism. And so... Uh, Baptism says then that we are making commitment to die to ourselves and we we are putting on God's desires. We are committing to do God's will for our lives. So when John baptized Jesus being a man, when he said you need to be you need to baptize me to fulfill uh I'm sorry, when G when John baptized Jesus being a man when he said, you need to baptize me to fulfill our righteousness, what Jesus is saying is this. This is 
God's will. I am the Lamb of God that will be offered as a sacrifice for the sins of man. And it's time to to be committed to God's will and God's plan. He's saying, let's get this party started. And so when he was baptized by John, acting as a priest, offering a sacrifice, because that's what Jesus was. He was our sacrifice for our sins, the once and for all sacrifice. And so here's John. He's baptizing this lamb, the lamb of God. He baptizes Jesus. And, and so when he comes up out of that water, God the Father agrees with what takes place. And in front of all the people there that day, God sent his confirmation by sending the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove. And his voice comes down from heaven saying, This is my son whom I'm well pleased. You know, what an awesome moment that that would have been for all of those who were involved and who all would have seen this. And it, but, but as awesome as it was, you know, you're, you're, you're Jesus, you're John the Baptist, you're this crowd, you're on this mountaintop experience, right? We all had those moments where we're on the mountaintop and just, you know, things are going great and our walk with Christ is just going really good and God is doing wonderful things in our lives or, we, you know, maybe we're a new Christian and we just came to Christ and we've been baptized for the remission of our sins and we're filled with the Holy Spirit and we, we, we're just, you know, we're new and we're excited. But see... What what happens is with that mountaintop experience comes the valley, and and living here in the mountains, you see this because you see mountains galore. They're everywhere, but when you have mountains, you also have valleys. It's just that's just the way things are, you know. And a lot of you know a lot. You hear a lot of people say, "Why am I going through this?" You know, because you know I've given my life to Christ, or you know I'm trying to live for God, but. I'm going through this valley experience. It's just part of it. Jesus himself immediately has this mountaintop experience. He's, he's baptized to kick off his ministry at 30 years old. The Holy Spirit comes down in the form of a dove. The Father's voice comes out of heaven saying, you know, giving him confirmation, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And then literally, immediately, he is met with opposition. In Luke chapter 3, uh, verses 1 and 2, it says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led around by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And see, this, I, I briefly mentioned this just a second ago, but this is exactly what happens when somebody decides that they're going to die to self, that they're going to give their life to Christ. They're going to decide, I'm not going to live my will anymore, my ways. I'm going to put my selfish thoughts and wants and desires to the side, and I'm going to put on Christ in baptism, and I'm going to put on Christ's will, and I'm going to do God's will. And and many times, you know, we, we had this thought that, you know, my life is going to get easier because I'm giving my life to Jesus, but that that is simply not the case. In fact, far too often it gets harder. Life gets harder because you're now going to be met with opposition. Jesus himself, being a man, even though he was God in the flesh, he was still a man, and he is he is dedicated to to the mission, the cross, to becoming our sacrificial lamb. Right. 
and, and, and he's had this mountaintop experience there with John, and all these people have witnessed it, and they've heard the voice of God come down out of heaven, but immediately he is met with opposition. And, and when, when uh, Luke says that, that he uh, is going to be tempted by uh, the devil, well, another name for the, uh, the devil is Satan, right? And, and Satan literally means opposition. Um, you remember one at one point in time, uh, Peter's telling Jesus, "You're not going to go to the cross. I'm not going to let you die." And, and and Jesus knows God's will that his that that is his mission to go to the cross. And what did Jesus call Peter? What did he say to Peter? He said, "Get behind me, Satan." In other words, you are. I know you're, I've handpicked you. I know you're one of the 12. I know you mean well. I know your heart is right with, with God. And, and you, you, don't, you, know, you don't want to hear that I'm going to have to die for uh, the sins of the people and that I'm going to leave you. But you are in opposition right now to God's will, God's purpose. And so Jesus looks at Peter and says, Get behind me, Satan. In other words, get behind me, you opposition. You know, so... Uh, the 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 name of Satan literally means opposition, and when we come to Jesus, I promise you, you will be met with opposition, and 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 not only that, but we'll see here in just a second that when Jesus was met with opposition, this went on for forty days, and so we're basically just getting the highlights of of the the temptations that the devil brings against Jesus but one thing that uh, Luke says and the other gospels say is that when Jesus was tempted by Satan here in uh, in the wilderness that it was for a season well we know that seasons change seasons come and go and 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 so Jesus was actually tempted by Satan on many different occasions he would come back around. You can guarantee that because he did not want Jesus dying on the cross because he knew he would be defeated and that he would not stand a chance. And, and so don't just think, okay, hey, I'm going to give my life to Jesus and everything's going to be great. My life is going to be so much better because that's not the case. It, 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 it can be and it, and it will be. But there will be valleys. You will have to come off the mountaintop and you will have to walk through the valleys and you will be met with opposition. So don't get discouraged because Jesus went through the same exact thing. And, and, and we're going to see here in just a second how he defeated the opposition. And when the opposition comes, remember it's only for a season. It, it, it will leave. It, it, the Bible says over and over and over again, it it will come to pass. It will come to pass, and and so that you know storms come, storms go. They they come and they and they pass through. Yes, they leave a destruction sometimes, but that that you know people rebuild. Um, but we will, even though we have a mountaintop experience, we will experience the valleys. We will experience opposition, but they're only for a season. But just keep in mind that that opposition will come back around and test you or tempt you even yet again. So don't be discouraged when it happens. So how did Jesus then defeat Satan? How did he defeat the opposition? We're going to talk about that when we come back from break. We'll be right back. 
This is Ryan Kirst. I'm the student pastor at Partnership Christian Church, and I want to invite you and your family to worship with us this coming Sunday. Check us out on Facebook or YouTube for service times and directions. Thanks for listening to the Grind It podcast. Keep grinding. So as we was going uh, to break, I was talking about how Jesus... He's been on this mountaintop experience, right? He's been baptized by John the Baptizer, and his ministry's kicked off. He he he's doing the will of God. He is he is starting his pathway to the cross to be our uh, Passover Lamb. First Corinthians five seven, and, and and immediately, immediately, he is uh, led to the the wilderness, um, but. Uh, to be tempted by Satan. But one thing that I want to point out before we uh, get in uh, to how Jesus defeated the opposition, which is what Satan means. The name Satan means opposition. But who led Jesus to the wilderness? You can see, a lot of people, including myself at times, you know, we get upset with God when things go wrong in our life or when life gets harder. We, we go through something that's very difficult and we just blame God and we get mad at God and and, and, and we tend to back off uh, away from God. But when, when Jesus was led to the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, he was led there by the Holy Spirit. He had just been baptized, right? And the Holy Spirit comes down in the form of a dove. And so now he's full of the Spirit and immediately he is led to the wilderness to have this valley experience and to be tempted for 40 days where he does not eat, he does not drink for 40 days. And he's led there uh, by the Holy Spirit. And this is very important because what, what this tells me and what it should tell you is this, that God will not lead you from the enemy, but he will help you defeat the enemy. I want to say that again. The Holy Spirit led Jesus to the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. This tells me that God will not lead you. He will not lead me from the enemy, but he will help you. He will help me defeat the enemy. For 40 days, this goes on, and it's kind of like, if, you know, if you watch sports and you, you're familiar with Sports Center, well, they they have the highlights. You know, you, they can't show all the games, or you know, it just takes too long. Football games, what three, three and a half hours, four hours? If it goes into overtime, so they can't. You know, so they take the highlights of those games. And so, I, in, in my humble opinion, this is what's going on here in Luke's gospel and and, and the other gospels that share uh, this story. I know Matthew does. But there, it's like a sports center moment. We have the highlights of what's going on here in in the uh, in the valley or uh, in the wilderness. Here, as Jesus is being tempted by Satan, uh, and 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 get this, Satan he used the same tactics with Jesus that he used way back in the Garden of Eden with uh, Adam and Eve when they ate that fruit. And he uses the same tactics that he used back then on us. Nothing's changed. His game has not changed. He uses the same three things. And it is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And, and, and here, here's 
the highlights of it. And, and uh, the lust of the flesh and the devil said to him, if, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. That's the first thing that he used to tempt Jesus, the lust of the flesh, because Jesus has not eaten in 40 days. So he's got to be hungry. I mean, I can't go 40 minutes without getting hungry. Uh, I can imagine being 40 days with no food and being a man and needing to eat. And so the first thing that, that Satan comes against Jesus is, hey, if you are the Son of God, then tell this stone to become bread. So it's kind of ironic that the devil would challenge the bread of life John 6.35, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. It's, it's just ironic that Satan would, would challenge Jesus to turn these stones to be, uh, into bread to eat when he is the bread of life. So then you have the lust of the eyes, and, and, and Luke says this, that Satan, or the devil, led him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and says, I will give you all of this domain and all its glory, for it has been handed over to me, and I I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you worship me before me, it shall all be yours. And he's right. He is the the ruler of this world, and he still is up until this point. Even though he has been defeated by Jesus on the cross, and and after Jesus come out of that tomb on the third day, he has the keys of death and hell. He ha, he he has defeated Satan, but for the time being, Satan is the the ruler of this world and he's showing jesus all these kingdoms of the world and he says hey i'll give you all this if you just bow down and worship me well you're talking to the creator of the universe dude jesus created all this stuff and so th this this is nothing for jesus and then you have the pride of life this luke says that he led the the devil led jesus to jerusalem and he had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, If you are the Son of God, prove it. Throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you. And on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. In other words, the angels ain't going to let you get hurt. So go and th throw yourself off of here and let's see what happens. So that would be the pride of life. So you got the, the same three tactics, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Now how, here's the kicker. How did Jesus defeat the opposition? How did Jesus resist these temptations? And, and, and it's very simple. By using the Word of God. Now I didn't say it's very simple to resist temptations. It's the, the, the answer to the question, how did Jesus resist the temptations? How do we resist the devil? Well, uh, the opposition by using the word of God, just like Jesus did. When Jesus was tempted by Satan all these times, he would come back. It is written. It is written. It is written. You and I, listen to this, you and I cannot defeat the devil on our own. We are wimps. Because he dang he dangles the carrot out there in front of us, or he dangles the 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 worm on the hook, and we say, "Ooh, look a worm! It's juicy and, and it's alive and it's wiggly. I'm going after it." And, and just like the fish, and, you know, the next thing you know, the the angler has the fisherman has set the hook in the fish's mouth, and and, and he's bringing the fish up out of the water, and he's going to have him for supper. Well, 
Uh, is it First Peter five eight? The, the 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 enemy is out there like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. We we cannot stand against Satan, the devil, on our own. We have to have help, or he will devour us. Which is why we need Jesus. We need the blood of Jesus. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Satan is in the world. I just said he is the ruler of this world. But God is greater. Jesus is greater. He cannot stand against the blood of Jesus. That's why James says that the the demons know who Jesus is. They know his name and they tremble. They're scared to death of him. And we see this all through the Gospels. In fact, we'll see it here later on in in Luke chapter 4 here. But it is the Word of God that gives us what we need to defeat the opposition because we are way too weak and without God's help, those those temptations will overtake us and we'll fall for them every time. So listen to what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6. He says, and this is verses 10 through 17, he says, Finally, be strong in the Lord. And that is key. Be strong where? In the Lord and in the strength of his might. Not your might. I don't care if you can bench press 400 pounds. I don't care if you can squat a thousand pounds. I don't care if you're the world's strongest man and those guys are super strong. They're pulling buses with their teeth and their beards. All this. They're, they're super. It does not matter. Satan will devour you if you are not full of the word of God. Because if you if if you do not know how to use the Bible, you're in trouble. That's why it's so. You know, uh, the King James Version says, "Study to show yourself approved unto God." But, but that word study is translated be diligent. You know, Get in the word and know the word. Why? Because that is how we know God's will. That's how we know what God wants us to do. And that's how God's Holy Spirit feeds us is through the word of God. And, and, and like Paul talks about to the Corinthian church, he says, you don't, you're still babes needing milk. You need the meat. You need to get off this milk and get in the meat. And there's too many Christians who've been uh, following Jesus for a long, long time, and they're still babes in Christ. When, and they need meat. And the reason why they're babes in Christ is because they're not in the Word. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand uh, firm against the schemes of the devil. So he's scheming. He, he's tricky. He knows what to do. He knows how to get us to fall. He knows our weaknesses. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the, the forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm stand firm therefore having girded your loins with truth the word of god is truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod or covered your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace in addition to all taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now get this. Everything that Paul mentions is defensive. All this armor is for our defense. 
because it, the enemy's out there and he's throwing these flaming darts. And, and he's, when he's writing this, he's actually in prison and he's looking at a Roman soldier and he's describing the armor that this Roman soldier is wearing and it's all defensive. And, and, and he, 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 he says, uh, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The only thing that we have to use on the offense, if you will, is the sword. Hebrews 4.12 talks about uh, the Word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. The, our sword is the Word of God. It is our offensive weapon. That's why it's so important that we know the Bible, that we know the Word of God, because that is how we resist temptation. That is how we, we, we resist the opposition when He comes against us. That is what Jesus did, and that is what we are to do. And without it, we are very, very weak and vulnerable. And so verse 13 is a key verse. It says when, uh, in Luke, going back to Luke uh, 4, verse 13, When the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity came, where the King James Version says he left him for a season. And like I said earlier, seasons come and they go. But I can make you this promise, that the devil will challenge your walk with Christ, and he's going to come around very often. So maybe right now you're on the mountaintop, Get ready for a valley. I don't mean to be doom and gloom, but be prepared. While you're on the mountaintop, be studying. Be in the Word of God. Be, have have you, you know, your body fully covered in the armor of God that Paul talks about in Ephesians chapter 6. But study, study, study the Bible. Know the Word because that is how when Satan comes in and tries to tempt us or get us to fall or get us to fall away or... or uh, a backslide against God, we resist Him how? Through using the Word, just like Jesus did. It is written. It is written. It is written. And that is our defense because we're standing strong in the power of God's strength, in the Lord, in the Lord, in the power of His might. Because on our own, the devil will devour us. He will eat us up and he's going to gobble us. And, and just remember, if you are going through a valley, it will come to pass. This says this over and Jesus says this over and over and over again in the Gospels. It will come to pass. It will come to pass. It will come to pass. Seasons come and seasons go. Storms come and season, uh, storms go. Just stay faithful. And that's what we're all about here at the Grinded Podcast is to encourage you and to and encourage people to just to hold on to keep grinding and not give up. And how do we do that? We, we, we keep our eyes on Jesus. That's our, that's our base verses, Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. And, and we, we look at Jesus and we read about Jesus through his, in His Word and we pray that to Him. We pray to God through the name of Jesus and, and we ask for strength and we ask for help. And He promises to do just that because we are standing strong in the power of his might if there's anything that we could pray for you about i just uh, pray that you would uh, let us know 
and we will lift you up in prayer immediately as soon as we get your email. And you can email uh, email us at thegrinditpodcast at gmail.com. God bless you. Um, and I just pray that you will not give up, but you keep grinding. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to The Grinded Podcast today. May God bless you. If you have any comments or questions, you can email them to us at thegrinditpodcast at gmail.com. If you would like Randy to come and speak at your church or your next event, you can contact him through that same email address. Also, I would like to thank Jody Foster's Army, also known as JFA, for their song, Abba, as we use for our intro and our outro off their untitled 1984 album. May God bless you, and remember, keep your eyes on Jesus and keep grinding.